Take your Bibles and turn with me uh, back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 this time. We were in 2 Corinthians 1 uh, last week looking at the God of all comfort. And today we want to look at God's all-sufficient grace. In this series on evil and suffering, I want us to talk this morning. I want us to think about when God doesn't take the suffering away. God doesn't always take the suffering away, at least not in this life. And that's why we're so grateful for the story of redemption in the Bible because you get to the last two chapters in the Bible. There's no sin, there's no Satan, there's no suffering, there's no death. Amen? So we need to understand that in the big scheme of things, God does take the suffering away. But in this lifetime, He may not. But as his children, he'll be with you. And that's what I want us to look at this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As we see that the Apostle Paul himself had this experience in his life. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word please. In verse 1, Paul says, This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, we thank you for your all-sufficient grace. Lord, I know that there are people in the congregation going through trials. And you have not taken the trial away. But they live with it day in and day out. God, I pray that you'd speak to them today through this message. And that daily, they would be able to boast in the Lord. Not in the flesh, but in the Lord. And your presence with them. And the strength that you give. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Folks, the Bible has a great deal to say about grace. Aren't you grateful for God's grace? One of the richest words in the Bible. In fact, it's used 150 times in the New Testament alone. I mean, think of that. 150 times in the New Testament alone. What a magnificent word it is and what a magnificent subject it is. The more you learn about grace, the more you agree with John Newton that grace is indeed amazing. Let's listen to those lines again from that hymn of John Newton, Amazing Grace. Probably, without a doubt, the most famous hymn the world over. Just listen to each of the stanzas as I read that. If you want to take a hymn book, it's hymn number 343 if you want to read along with me. But he says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. It's tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Folks, today I want you to see that God's grace is always sufficient. Whether in life or in death, God's grace is sufficient for whatever you are going through. Now as we look at 2 Corinthians 12 this morning, I want us to look at Paul and the circumstances in which he declared that God's grace is sufficient. And God reminded him of that. One writer says that 2 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12, those three chapters are probably the most emotionally charged section of anything that Paul ever wrote. And folks, Paul didn't write these words when everything was going well in his life. That's what I want us to understand. Paul wrote these words when he was going through some of the most difficult and trying circumstances of his life. Think about that. Here was a man that was the greatest theologian and church planner that the world has ever known. And in churches all over the world this morning, pastors are probably reading from some section of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote. And yet, Paul suffered. He suffered greatly. And God didn't... Lighten the load. God didn't remove the suffering. 
And it certainly says something to us today that in a fallen world, Christians do indeed suffer. You might be suffering right now and you're trying to figure out maybe what you've done wrong to to deserve what you're experiencing. And you may not have done anything wrong that this particular suffering can be tied to. And so you need to get out of your mind that there's always a straight line drawn from suffering back to a specific sin. It may not be that at all. Now we do suffer because of sin. And that's one thing we'll talk about in this series. Sometimes we do suffer because of sin. It might be our sin. It might be the sin of somebody else. It might be that since Genesis 3 the whole creation has been plunged into sin. But you may not be suffering because of some specific sin. Paul's circumstances placed him in a position to learn that God's grace is always sufficient. And folks, what we see here this morning is that while being a Christian doesn't exempt us from trials and tribulation, we do find the grace and strength from God that we need. And you know what? That's maybe one of the biggest lessons that we can teach unbelievers as unbelievers watch how we go through pain and suffering, we can be a testimony to them. So that's what I want us to see this morning. God may allow suffering in your life not as a result of specific sin, but rather to teach you about His sufficiency to strengthen you and use you for His glory. Now, first of all, this morning, look with me. Christians are not immune to the common problems of life. As Christians, we should never get the idea that we are immune from problems. Some people seem to think if they'll only get active in church, all of their problems will go away. Or a new believer thinks, you know, they make a profession in faith, a profession of faith in Christ one morning, they walk out of the church and they think, hey, all of my problems now are going to be over. God's going to erase them all. Others think that if they're only living for God well enough, there'll be some kind of protective shield or bubble over them that'll keep them safe from problems and difficulty. And folks, I want to tell you this morning, the Bible never speaks of that kind of Christianity. In fact, what Jesus tell us, what he tell his disciples, in this world you'll have what? tribulation he's told us ahead of time in this world you will have tribulation but he said be of good cheer for I have overcome the world now as we look at our text we find that even the great apostle Paul was no stranger to problems think here about the spiritual privileges that Paul experienced in verses 2 to 4 Paul shares with us 
a very special event that took place in his life. Read with me again verses 2 through 4. He said, I was called up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was called up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot even be expressed in words. Things... No human is allowed to tell. He's obviously recording autobiographically some amazing thing that happened to him. We don't know exactly. It might be a reference back to Acts 14. If you were to take a calendar of Paul's life, And with that calendar of his life and his missionary journeys, if you were to go back 14 years, you would arrive approximately at the time period that he describes in Acts 14. And in Acts 14, we we see there what happened. He was preaching the gospel and he was stoned to death and drug out of town and his body was laid there. It's very possible that it was at that time that Paul went to heaven. For a certain period of time, he was absent from the body and present with the Lord. Paul's experience put him in a very special class. Paul's enemies at Corinth were claiming that they were spiritually superior to Paul in their experiences. And so Paul says if anybody had reason to boast about experiences, if he wanted to boast in them, it would be him. After all, not just any Christian can claim, can make the claim and be truthful, be truthful about it that they've gone to heaven and back. Now let me say that at this point, Paul is only sharing this to counter his opponents. He never suggested that believers need to seek such experiences. In fact, nowhere in the Bible do we see such admonitions that we're to seek something like that. If you study this further, you would find that Paul had indicated to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 that what he commended to them was the word of God. The sufficiency of the word of God. And he commended that to them that if believers want to be strengthened in their faith rather than trying to seek after some type of supernatural experiences we need to simply open our Bibles and study God's word because it's in God's word that we grow and we're strengthened. Folks, we don't have to add anything else to the Bible. Special revelation. Scripture alone is sufficient. In fact, we're warned against adding anything to it. Now notice that Paul didn't even share this experience for 14 years until this present context and he was being challenged. How different that is from people today. Look at all the books out there on the market by people who claim they've they've died and gone to heaven and they come back and they write something about it. 
Paul says here he saw things he, he's not even allowed that no man is even allowed to share. He didn't come back and, and try to write some book and make money off of it that it would hit the best-selling market there in Corinth or Rome. He didn't try to do that. And yet he had this experience. Folks, let me say also, if, if you want to know about heaven, instead of trying to read all these books on the market, if you want to know about heaven, simply study your Bible, what it says about heaven. Remember that from what Paul said in the previous chapter, we've got to be very careful about special experiences because the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light to deceive us. Again, Paul says he wasn't even allowed to share. That reminds me of Deuteronomy 29, 29 that says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Folks, God doesn't tell us about every little thing in life that you and I might have a fascination over. He tells us what we need to know as it pertains to being saved and then being discipled. But as Paul goes on to testify in this chapter, even a man like himself with such a legitimate experience as he relates here points out that he was not exempt from problems. Folks, think about that. If a man like the Apostle Paul had difficulties in life, because, I mean, in the context, think of what you'll hear some preachers today on TV. If you only have enough faith, if you ha- only have enough faith, boy, you won't, you won't have trouble here or there. Here was Paul, the Apostle Paul. And think about all these troubles that he had in life. In verse 7, Paul gives us a description of his problems. He says there in verse 7, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Underscore that word thorn. A thorn in the flesh. In the Bible, there's a couple of different words used for thorn. One word speaks of just a little thorn like you might find on a bush. A cactus bush or a rose. A rose bush. And then there is this word here. And I'll spell it for you. I mean, I know you're not interested in some of these Greek words, but S-K-O-L-O-P-S. S-K-O-L-O-P-S. Scallops. It's only used one time in the Bible. And that's the word that's used right here. Now sometimes it's used to describe a a smaller thorn that can be a, a, a nuisance. But most often times the word describes something big like a dagger or stake. In fact, a lot of translations around the world, uh, when they interpret this word, they use stake. 
instead of thorn. Because again, with thorn, you and I can get the idea that it's something small, just a nuisance. And that's not the word. In fact, this word here was sometimes used of a stake that was big enough that in ancient times, when they would put, when an emperor would put somebody to death, he would give the command for them to be impaled on a big pole with the stake on it. And their bodies would be hung up in the sun. That's the word that is used here. It's something serious. And then notice the word buffet in some translations. A thorn in the flesh to to buffet him. The word means to beat with the fist. J.B. Phillips translates it to harass me. The NLT says to torment me. A thorn in the flesh, a stake that was given To torment me. A lot of theories about what Paul is talking about here. Some say it was some type of eyesight difficulty. Others suggested malaria, epilepsy, even something something like insomnia. But if you have insomnia and can't ever sleep, it becomes a big problem. But some severe migraine headaches, some depression. There's there's all kinds of theories on what Paul experienced. Some say it was a person or a group of people that Paul is describing here. If I had to make a choice, it would be eyesight problems. Speculation. But on his first missionary journey, the regions he went to were known for carrying mosquitoes, carrying malaria. And in ancient times, especially when you got it, there was no cure. And there would be terrible episodes that you would experience. You'd be okay for a while. And then it would break out and you would have things like high fevers and terrible headaches. And one thing that oftentimes was a side effect of that was eyesight problems. It would affect the eyesight. In the book of Galatians, Paul Paul says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me again as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. And then as he closes that book, he wants the Galatians to know it's him writing the letter. He's not just using a secretary as they would commonly do. It's him writing the letter. And he says, see with what big letters I'm writing to you. As though that's supposed to indicate to them it was, it was Paul writing. So again, if I had to make a guess, it was probably eyesight. But... Might have been something spiritual. In fact, when he uses the term a messenger of Satan, the word he uses is angelos, which is the word for angel. And an angel of Satan, of course, would be what? A demon. 
So it could be that in places like Corinth where Paul was constantly facing severe criticism and opposition, a demonic power might have been working through human instruments in that opposition. Several weeks ago I traveled up the road to Durham and met with one of the key pastors in our state. And uh, he was describing when he first went to that church and oh, how difficult it was. Such incredible opposition. He said one day a lady walked into his office and when she got done and walked out, his secretary walked in and said, that, that was demonic. Was the secretary wrong? Maybe so. But maybe not. Satan uses people on occasion. In any case, neither the Holy Spirit nor Paul went on to describe exactly what it was except to let us know it was a, it was a very severe problem in his life. Folks, there are problems that we encounter. No one is immune. If you're experiencing problems in your life this morning, you're in good company. Jesus had problems and the Apostle Paul had problems. In fact, Tradition tells us that all of the apostles, with the exception of John, were martyred for their faith. Problems? Yes. Someone has written, you know you're in trouble when a black cat crosses your path and then drops dead. (laughs) The bird singing at your window is a vulture. Your children's school calls to surrender. The pest exterminator crawls under your house and never comes out. (laughs) I read about a husband that said to his wife, you always carry my photo in your handbag to the office. Why? The wife said, well, when there's a problem, no matter how impossible, I look at your picture and the problem disappears. The husband replied, you see... Look at, think about how good I am for you. The wife replied, yes, I see your picture and I say to myself, what other problem can there be greater than this one? (laughs) A.T. Robertson was one of the greatest Greek scholars the world over. He was actually one of our own, a Southern Baptist. And, and he, he talks about this word here in Paul's thorn in his flesh. And he says, and I quote here, It is a blessing to the rest of us that we do not know the particular affliction that so beset Paul. Each of us has some such splinter or thorn in the flesh, perhaps several at once. And so by not describing it, Paul kind of leaves it open so it really applies to any of us. And these things are painful. In fact, so painful, look at what Paul goes on to say here in verse 8. That he begged the Lord. Think of the Apostle Paul begging the Lord to remove it three different times. That God would take away this difficulty. 
Folks, like Paul, you and I sometimes, we cry out to God from our troubles. We come to God with, with hurting hearts. And we're just begging God for help. We're crying out to Him. Agonizing. And you know, that's the first thing we ought to do when we have a problem like this, is seek the Lord. But as we see here, God doesn't always take it away. When we pray, sometimes God's answer is yes, and He takes it away. Sometimes it's no. But that's, folks, that's still an answer. A no is an answer. Sometimes God says, not yet. I'm trying to teach you a lesson. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to mature you. And so I'm going to use that struggle. I'm going to leave that in your life. I'm going to leave it the way it is because that's going to be my instrument. That's going to be my sandpaper smoothing out something in your life, making you better in the long run. So I'm going to leave it for a while. I might eventually take it away, but not now. Well, not only notice the the problems that come our way, but secondly, I want you to see, Christians should not be unaware to God's special use of problems and suffering for His purposes. Look at verses 7 to 9 again. Paul says there, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Folks, it is not just through good things in our lives that God uses. If there is a lesson that we need to learn about the trials of life, it's that God always has a purpose in them. Here is one truth of which we can be absolutely convinced. Nothing can come our way or happen in our life that doesn't, first of all, get the approval of God. Think of Job. And all the attacks. We know in the book of Job it was Satan bringing all these attacks on Job. But if you read the first couple of chapters of Job, what do you see? You see that it was God that allowed the devil to do. The devil could only do in Job's life what God allowed the devil to do. The devil had to get special permission from God to bring those trials and afflictions on Job. Folks, God doesn't put His children in some kind of protective bubble. We live in a fallen world and we face all the problems that everybody else in the world faces. Paul talks about this thorn that was bestowed on him. Notice carefully in verse 7. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And then he described the messenger as being from From Satan, Satan was the mailman delivering the problem. Folks, God is completely sovereign. 
But in his sovereignty, God will sometimes even use the devil to accomplish his purposes. We do not believe in dualism. Dualism that said some of the dualism in Eastern religions that there's two sovereigns in the universe. If you think about the word sovereign, there can't be two. There can only be one. But there's two sovereigns, a good one and an evil one, God and the devil. That's not biblical. This past week, I had a ministry in, in California. Some ministry that does sermon series and all that for, for pastors and tries to get you to buy them. I, I don't believe in doing that kind of stuff. Uh, you shouldn't preach somebody else's sermons. That, that, to me, that's an issue of character and integrity. You can get some ideas, but don't preach somebody else's sermon. But here was this service, you know, we'll send you the graphics and sermons and all that. And the graphic what? Spiritual warfare was the sermon series. And it, and it had a picture of the devil and Jesus sitting down at a table and they're arm wrestling. And of course, the devil is looking all hideous with horns and all that. And he's kind of grinning at Jesus. And they're sitting there in an equal eye to eye and they're looking at one another and they're in this arm wrestling match and they're just kind of stuck there that is terrible theology folks Satan is not sovereign if God so ordains it Satan is nothing more than a tool in God's hands to carry out God's purposes Now, yes, sometimes our troubles are human in nature. We are the cause. Sometimes. We make wrong decisions sometimes. We sin. We disobey God and wrong decisions and sinful decisions and sinful acts. If all of us would admit it, we can look back on our life at things we've done and the consequences that came out of it that we suffered. In the Bible, who'd be a good example of that in one of Jesus' parables? What's the most famous parable? Prodigal son. Look at what he did. Man, he got far away from his father and he was, he was kicking up his heels. He was having a great time. Life was a party. But then all of a sudden, look at what happened. All the money ran out. He got in deep, deep problems. He brought them on himself. But sometimes our troubles are heavenly in nature. By that I mean our, our problems are allowed, they're arranged, they're appointed by God, they're sent by God into our life. Folks, now here's an interesting thought to keep in mind. Maybe there is someone in your life that's a thorn in your flesh. Now while that person needs to realize that the devil might be using them at the same time, remember it might be that it's God who's put them in your life at this time to use them for a reason. Now you ask, why would God send problems my way? Notice this thorn was not only bestowed on him, he says it was beneficial to him. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to torment me. Why? Lest I should be exalted above measure. 
Think of what's going on here. Paul is talking about being lifted up, being exalted, the possibility of being lifted up and exalted above measure. And God gives him this thorn in the flesh, this stake that kind of nails him back down to the earth. Very, very picturesque language here. It would have been easy for Paul to be proud. I mean, just again, what I talked about earlier about his life. It would have been easy. And God gave him this thorn in the flesh. Whatever it was, God didn't remove it. So Paul would be riveted back down to the earth and he would depend on God. Most of you have heard, or many of you have heard, about the life of Corey Tenboom a Dutch lady that she and her family hid Jewish people back when Hitler was doing what he was doing. And her family would hide Jews. And then they were found out, they were captured and, and sent to a concentration camp. Today, I, I've never been there, but today you can go to her home, her childhood home, there in Holland and just see something about Corey Ten Boom's home. And supposedly on the wall, kind of high up, there's this big, you ladies who crochet or do all the work with yarn, beautiful picture. But it's turned around backwards. And if you've ever looked at one of these things, yarn or crocheting or whatever, needlework, on the back is just this, this mass of strings and all hanging out and behind. You know what I'm talking about? And that's how this picture is. And somebody asked her one time, Corey, why would you do that? And she turned it around and there's this beautiful needlework. And she said, I hang it this way with all the mess. So it's a daily lesson to me as I see it. My circumstances might look like a mess. But I turn it around from God's perspective. He's doing something beautiful. And she said, I don't, I don't always see that. I see daily the mess in my life. The trial and tribulation and hardships. But I need to see what God ultimately has in mind. Well, notice lastly with me, Christians can rest assured that when we suffer, God supplies what we need. In verse 9 and 10, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, I want listen to this. Please don't miss this. When we suffer, you know what God's greatest gift to us is when we suffer? God's greatest gift to us is Himself. God gives Himself. Oftentimes, 
It's not the mountaintops of life that we're in that cause us to look up. It's when we're in the valleys that we look up. That's when we depend on God. Think about the book of Judges in the Old Testament. When things would get good and everything would be going good, what would they, they would just get in their complacency and go through life. And God would bring opposition on them and hardship. And then it was when they were oppressed, they would finally look up to God and cry out to Him again. And God would deliver them. Think about it in your life. I guarantee you the hardships and the troubles you've been through. Maybe it was a marriage difficulty. Maybe a child that they became a teenager and they started rebelling. Whatever, a job loss. Man, that real, whatever that was, that got you on your knees praying and depending on God. Paul points out here God has abundant grace. It's all he needed. It was sufficient and it was available grace. Abundant and available. Do you need his grace today? His grace is sufficient to help you today. God's grace is available for what you need and available for when you need it. It is Always sufficient. God's not going to get you out of your problems always. But if he doesn't, he'll walk through that valley with you. And he'll guide you and he'll strengthen you to get you through to the other side. Some quick lessons. Number one, I'm going to be quick here. God may allow you... To have suffering in your life to humble you and to deal with your pride. God may allow you to have suffering in your life to humble you and to deal with your pride. Secondly, God may allow Satan to be the mailman for your problem. Thirdly, God may not, may not take your suffering away even though you ask him to do so. You may have to wait to Revelation 21 and 22. And lastly, if God doesn't remove your problem, He'll supply what you need to live with it. Today, is there some difficulty you're encountering in your life? Folks, instead of simply trying to avoid it or immediately get out of it, is there a lesson God's trying to teach you? As I've told you before, don't waste a good, uh, don't waste a good trial. <laughs> God might have to send you another one if you don't learn. Don't waste a trial. God, what are you trying to teach me? Seek the mind and heart of God as you're going through that. There may be some kind of major adjustment God is calling on you to make in your life. And he's using the trial to do it to get your attention. Now Paul doesn't mention it here, but James does. As you're going through that trial, you can ask God not only for strength, but James says you can ask God for wisdom to make it through it. So maybe you're going through something today and not only do you need strength, but you need wisdom.
Folks, remember that hymn I opened with? Amazing grace. Through toils and snares, what's John Newton say? If God doesn't remove it, He will be your shield and defender as you go through it. Turn to Him, seek Him, rely on His wisdom and strength. And we know that God is good because of the way things end up. As Paul says in Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for you. And one day, despite what you're facing now, you'll see that. God is for you. Let's pray. Lord, We know that life is difficult sometimes, very difficult. Help us. Forgive us that in the good times, we don't look up. It's when we're beat down oftentimes that we look up, when we're flat on our back. Lord, by seeing that the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh that you didn't remove, that speaks volumes to somebody here who's going through suffering. And, and, and it's not easing up. They're going through that trial. Help them to see your grace is sufficient. And you've got a reason for it. Lord, teach us. You teach us supremely through your word but you teach us also through life circumstances. God, help us to be teachable. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?